In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Amen. Just a few weeks ago, Josh preached about having a difficult time saying which of the biblical texts in the stories were his favorite. And as he was confessing it, I remembered nodding in the pew in absolute agreement. And even as I had been praying with and reflecting on and studying the texts appointed for today, I heard Josh's confession somewhere in the back of my head this week, and I realized that this text from 1 Samuel, Psalm 139, and the gospel story from the first chapter of John felt like I had won the preaching lottery. I love these texts. I do. All three are earthy, intimate, and relatable to me. Each brings a message of hope and desire, of God's ever-abiding presence, of God's persistence, even when we do not recognize the divine's voice calling to us. These lessons are about the gift of spiritual companionship in discerning our particular vocation and of the miraculous gift that is our faith in Jesus Christ. As a Roman Catholic girl growing up in the early 1960s and attending a private school taught by women religious, specifically Sisters of St. Dominic from St. Catherine, Kentucky, now known as the Dominicans of Peace. This was a pre-Vatican II time when the Mass was still in Latin, and my Dominican sisters, my teachers, were all dressed in traditional habit. I memorized the entire Mass in Latin. And I would go home from school on some particular days, set up my little table and chairs, the child-sized table and chairs, wrap a white pillowcase around my head so I was veiled like my sisters, and I would set up this table as an altar. I wanted to celebrate Mass even then. In those childlike moments, it was as if God had whispered something in my ear, something like, go ahead, Judith, it's really all right. All the while, I was feeling a little guilty, since after all, I was a girl, and according to the church, I didn't belong saying those prayers and making those gestures over grape juice and white Necco wafer candies. Even after all these years, there's still a part of me that believes that the divine does indeed whisper in our ears throughout the course of our lives and beckons us ever more closely to hear the whispers, to feel the urgings, to respond to the invitations to come closer and to fall more and more in love with God. Well, the story of Samuel's call, therefore, is one that I can truly relate to. It was not until my mid-30s, after years of spiritual direction, that I found my true home in the Episcopal Church. Only after completing my Master of Divinity degree, with a profound sense of homecoming within the Episcopal Church, would I dare to open my heart once again to the unfolding story of vocation and call. And such discernment, I believe, only happens in a healthy way when anchored in relationship and in the very midst of your spiritual community. 
The story of Samuel and Eli offers us the message that God is always doing a new thing, even in the midst of wrongdoing. That there is such a thing as accountability before God and divine justice being enacted. God is always lovingly persistent. It takes both the attentiveness of the young Samuel's ears and the wisdom of the old priest's heart and mind to birth this new vocation in service to God. Samuel's vocation, referred to as trustworthy prophet, establishes a new way forward, a reorientation toward right relationship with God from which ultimately comes the lineage of Jesus himself. There are words to be spoken when truth confronts corrupt powers. There are consequences, even divinely intended ones, when evil attempts to overshadow good. And we are offered a powerful witness to divine mercy and justice, acting on behalf of the health and holiness of all God's people in this text. No one, not even the priests of the temple, are exempt from God's justice in the establishment of a new beginning. For so many reasons, this feels to me like a timely reminder. Each one of us has been at one time or another in Samuel's place of deafness and in Eli's place of failing. It is important to note on this second Sunday of Epiphany that human speaking and hearing in this story now become one of the main means by which the light of God's continuing revelation breaks into the affairs of the world. This listening and hearing become a communal affair, an intimate and inextricable bond forged between the divine and humanity. God speaks a vocation. God speaks a call into being. And God calls by name. God enables humanity to begin again. I hear this storyline echoed in Psalm 85, verses 10 through 13. Mercy and truth, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up from the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. The Lord will indeed grant prosperity, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and peace shall be a pathway for his feet. I hear tremendous hope proclaimed today. Hope that is a cornerstone of our Christian faith that holds the tension of the truth, the truth of the cross, and the truth of the resurrection. One is as true and as necessary as the other so that salvation comes in the name of Jesus Christ. It is good, I believe, also to be reminded of our very accountability before God and before one another as children of God. It is equally essential to be reminded of God's justice and God's mercy, 
God's justice, divine justice, and of God's empowering of humanity to begin anew. Just as God called Samuel to speak truth to power in a community story of discernment, so God calls each of us in our own unique ways to such responsibility. It is ours we share today. With God and in the name of Jesus the Christ, we are called to be God-bearers, God-bearers of healing and hope, of justice and peace. Our names are being called in this very moment to be about the building of the kingdom of God as kin of one another, right here, right now. If we listen, and if we dare hear our names called, we become bearers of divine light. But we're not left alone. God walks before us, behind us, between us, and among us. And we become the children of God as God has always intended us to be, more perfectly like the one we receive. If there was ever a moment for a collective time of hearing our names called to this mission, this mission of God, it is now. As you know, we observe Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow, and throughout this weekend, we are called to that collective memory and mission of God for justice and peace for all God's people. Congressman John Lewis, like MLK Jr., dedicated his entire life opposing systemic racism. In his book, Across That Bridge, Life Lessons and a Vision for Change, John Lewis wrote these words. Nothing can stop the power of a committed and determined people to make a difference. Why? Because human beings are the most dynamic link to the divine on the planet. And likewise, in her startling and truthful memoir, Birth of a Dancing Star, the author Ilya DeLeo, a Franciscan sister of Washington, D.C., writes this. We have divorced the mind from the heart and knowledge from love, forcing knowledge into contrived systems of power. The medievalists knew that knowledge without love is lame and that love without knowledge is blind. We are called to form new horizons of insight that draw us into love, but not sentimentality. We seek to know <clears throat> so as to fall more deeply in love. It does make a difference how we know what we know, because in truth, we become what we love. <coughs> <coughs> is God can, cannot be outdone in love. <clears throat> God is the name of the incomprehensible mystery of love. At once close and embracing, and yet ahead, 
beckoning us each onward. God is ever newness in love, ever faithful in love, the eternal fire of love that creates, destroys, rebuilds over and over into eternity because love is invincible, mysterious, and eternally creative of the new. And she concludes, I do not fear the dangers before us. These are inconsequential in the face of the power of love. My friends in Christ, just as we see in the story of Eli and Samuel a partnership with the divine, an unleashing of the new, so may we hear this story as a clarion call of love. May we become what we love, love itself. Facing the dangers and unleashing the power of love, not sentimental love, but love that seeks justice and peace with absolute abandon. I trust that if we give ourselves over to the power of divine love, be assured, divine love will do the rest. Amen.